Hello, Filled With Messages friends. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. Have you seen the new TV show, The Reluctant Traveler, yet? It features the 75-year-old Canadian actor Eugene Levy, whose idea of travel is staying at fine hotels and eating good food. In an article about the show, he said, I have a very low sense of curiosity and no sense of adventure. In an episode set in one of the most exclusive hotels in the world, which costs, wait for it, $7,000 a night, it's in the Maldives, just in case you're wondering, Mr. Levy was asked what he would like to eat for dinner. The chef would make him anything, no matter how hard the ingredients were to source. Mr. Levy responded, cheeseburger, fries, and a milkshake. He decided to let the chef pick whether the milkshake was chocolate or vanilla. Something propelled Mr. Levy to make this show, to leave the resort, to step out of his comfort zone, to try new things. In doing so, his world has changed for the better. For example, in an episode set in Utah, Mr. Levy spends time with members of the Navajo Nation. A guide takes him to some of the stunning Slot Canyons. There, he shared that the Navajo believe that the Slot Canyons were created by the adversity we face. When we are struggling, we take deep, painful breaths and the air we have released from those breaths goes out across the land and creates the slot canyons. Something painful is turned into something beautiful. Mr. Levy wouldn't have learned this healing Navajo understanding of the world if he hadn't left the hotel. He wouldn't have seen the breathtaking beauty of the slot canyons if he hadn't left the resort. Change, trying new things, getting out of our comfort zones, is something a lot of us avoid. We're just fine as we are, thank you very much. But sometimes outside forces propel us to change. A diagnosis, a job change, the death of someone we love, our kids growing up. And sometimes something inside us tells us it's time to change. We feel unsettled. We long for something more. In today's two scripture passages, we find God's people wrestling with change. And we find God's promise to be with us as God invites us to get out of our comfort zones and try something new. Hear these words from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. They set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And hear these words from John 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. 
You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to hear you speaking to us words of change, words of getting out of our comfort zones, but also words of companionship and love and peace. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Maybe something happens when we're 75 because both Mr. Levy and Abram, later God will change his name to Abraham, made major life changes when they were 75. While Mr. Levy's decision to explore the world seems to have stemmed from an internal call, Abram's major older adult life change was propelled by an external force, in his case, God. Apparently, God just showed up one day on Abram's doorstep and said, time to start anew, pack your bags and get going. Imagine for a second how you would feel if God did the same to you. Many older Americans move to a warmer climate, but they are still in contact with their friends and family. They still go back for a visit at least now and again. But in Abram's day, leaving meant going no contact for the rest of his life. He would never return to his country. He would never again see his neighbors, family, friends. If he decided to follow God, that would be the end of his life as he had known it. Stepping out of his comfort zone to follow this new path on which God was inviting him also required Abram to step out only on faith. God didn't tell Abram where he was going. God didn't even tell Abram if he would ever settle down again. The instruction was just, go. While the direction wasn't clear, what was plain was that God was going to go with Abram on this journey. God would go with him and bless him. That's a lovely promise, but believing it on trust alone must have been so hard. Would you have been able to set out with just the promise of God's presence and blessing along the way? God's presence and blessing did not mean that Abram didn't face adversity on his adventure. Some of the adversity were the consequences of his own choices. Some of the adversity was due to no fault on Abram's part. There were clearly days when Abram regretted his decision to follow God. There were clearly days when the promises of God's presence and blessing weren't enough. But Abram kept going, 
because it was that or give up. He put one foot in front of another day after day, mile after a mile, when God's presence and blessing were crystal clear and when it felt like they had been taken away. He kept trusting that God's promises were good. Nicodemus's decision to try something new was propelled internally. The author of the Gospel of John tells us two key tidbits about Nicodemus. Firstly, he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were a group of Jewish people who rigorously applied the Jewish law to everyday life. While they often get a bad rap in Christian circles, the New Testament is much more balanced in its understanding of them. The Pharisees were very intrigued by Jesus and spent a lot of time trying to figure him out. At times, they even warned him that harm was coming his way. They were not exclusively his adversaries. The second little tidbit John shares with us about Nicodemus was that he wasn't just any Pharisee. He was also a member of the Jewish ruling council, which was known as the Sanhedrin. When the Romans conquered an area, they used individuals from that local area to govern according to Roman law. The Herods, there's more than one in the Gospels, and Pontius Pilate were some of these locals who were authorized by the Romans to rule. Additionally, the Romans permitted locals to oversee their own local laws as long as they didn't interfere with Roman law. In Jerusalem, it was the Sanhedrin who did this, adjudicating the Jewish law. As not just a Pharisee, but also a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus's inner propulsion to see Jesus was a big deal. This wasn't just any random country bumpkin wanting to understand Jesus. This was an influencer, someone everyone knew about, someone who had power and authority in the Jewish community. Perhaps that's why Nicodemus seeks Jesus under the cover of darkness. It would have been too much of a statement to be seen approaching him in the light of day. Would have been too big a risk, too far a step outside of his comfort zone, to show that Jesus intrigued, perplexed, engaged him in a way he could not ignore. Just as God was vague when he called Abram, so was Jesus vague when he spoke to Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Most of us have some sense of what we think that phrase is supposed to mean, but to Nicodemus it made no sense. How can anyone be born again when they're old? Surely they can't enter their mother's womb a second time. I mean, just take a moment and envision yourself trying to get back into your mother's womb as your grown-up self. It is a pretty funny idea. No wonder Nicodemus didn't understand. Jesus and Nicodemus had an extended conversation about what Jesus was doing here on earth. This question that had propelled Nicodemus out of the safety of his life of privilege and into the darkness to ask the itinerant rabbi for help and understanding. Theirs was a theologically complex dialogue, which requires us to have a significant understanding of a passage from the Old Testament book of Numbers. And let's be honest, most of us have not read the book of Numbers. Jesus also hints at a story about Abram, or when he becomes Abraham's life, in which God asked Abraham to prove that he was willing to give his only son to him. One of the things Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to think about in their discussion of Numbers and Abram's near sacrifice of his son is whether Nicodemus is going to stay in his comfort zone, in the darkness, in the ways he and his ancestors have understood God in the past, or if Nicodemus is willing to begin again, to try something new, to go on an adventure with God where the destination isn't clear and where there will certainly be adversity along the way. 
the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus just ends. It isn't resolved. We don't know how Nicodemus responded that night. But there's a hint about how he felt about Jesus if we fast forward in the Gospel of John. After Jesus was crucified and died, John tells us in chapter 19, quote, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. In other words, Joseph of Arimathea feared the Sanhedrin, that body of which Nicodemus was a part. Continuing on in the story from John, he was accompanied by Nicodemus. Quite the shocker, given the fact that Joseph was afraid of the Sanhedrin and Nicodemus was on that committee. Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. So sometime after his conversation with Jesus, Nicodemus is still taking risks to be with him. Nicodemus's journey out of his comfort zone, his beginning anew, the thing inside him that was calling him to a new way of understanding the world, was still alive. Something about Jesus was still calling him to take risks, to not consider the cost, to honor this rabbi who had been sent to his death by a council on which Nicodemus sat. We don't know very many details about what Nicodemus's journey was like, but we do know that something about Jesus changed him. As much as we struggle with change, it is a part of life. So what new beginning is beginning in you? Perhaps the change is propelled by something over which you have no control, like God calling Abram. Perhaps the change is stirring within you, trying to burst forth, like Nicodemus's questions about Jesus. Wherever it is coming from, may you find the courage to take one step, then another, and another, trusting God's promises to be with you and bless you. Thank you so much for joining me today, friends. I pray God gives you courage and wisdom and listening ears so that you will join God on whatever adventure you are being called on next. Grace and peace to you, my friends.